Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewire News Group podcast hosted by the legal journalism team, half of which is going to see Beyonce in France. I'm Rewire News Group's editor-at-large, Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Piclo, Rewire News Group's executive editor and the one who is not seeing Beyonce in France. It's okay. <laughs> Rewire News Group is the one and only home for expert repro journalism that inspires you to support your friends who are seeing Beyonce <laughs> in France. And the Boom Lawyer podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners and viewers. So y'all, today is a day we are going to be talking about an attorney in Florida who's making claims that his client, a fetus, by the way, his client's a fetus, is being illegally detained in prison and should be released. Let me say that again. He's making claims that his client, who is a fetus, is being illegally detained in prison and should be released. His client's mother, Natalia Harrell, is in prison on murder charges. And so first things first, Amani, mm. this Florida attorney is arguing that innocent fetuses don't belong in jail. This is going to be a complicated one because there are a lot of feelings on either side of this issue. And so I'm hoping I'm hoping to change some hearts and minds with this episode. That's my goal. But wow. first, let's talk about what's going on here. OK. OK. So in July of last year, Natalia Harrell went to a bar with a friend. Her friend's name was Gladys Borsella. At the end of the night, the pair ended up in an Uber where they got into an argument. Natalia pulled out a gun and shot and killed Gladys. Natalia was six weeks pregnant at the time. First of all, yikes. Yeah, it's already yikes. What an Uber. Yeah. What a night out. Like, I feel like you and me going out to Red Rocks and in the I, just I just shoot you in the cab. Can you imagine coming back from Brandy Carlisle and like, pew, pew. I don't know why I went Good pew, Lord. pew. That's terrible. I'm very sorry. This is a serious case. We need none of that, Jessica. Apologies. Okay. We need a little. We need so, a little. So Natalia has been held without bond since July. And now that she's eight months pregnant, her attorney is arguing that the jail staff has endangered the fetus by refusing to provide proper prenatal care and putting her in dangerous situations. So here's a couple of examples of what she's been subject to. Staff left her in a van with no air conditioning. Yikes. Okay. The temperature in the van reached 100 degrees, and she was only released from that van after staff heard her banging on its walls. And as somebody who's been pregnant twice, you're already hot and sweaty. I can't even imagine the claustrophobia that this woman was going through. So that's just one example of her treatment that this attorney is saying, hey, really bad for my client, the fetus. The fetus. So Harrell's attorney, Florida man William Norris has filed a writ of habeas corpus in a state court in Florida. Now, a habeas petition argues that a person has been illegally detained, right? It literally means, quote unquote, produce the body mm -hmm. and is traditionally used for alive persons, alive, born ass people. Born ass people. <laughs> Just born ass people who've already been born and are being detained illegally. Mm -hmm. In this case, the quote person is a fetus. Now, 
everyone's, the first glaring question in everyone's mind is obviously this. Isn't this just a gateway to personhood? And the answer to that question is yes, but it's complicated. And we're going to explain why it's complicated. Like, on the one hand, people are concerned that they, you know, the ubiquitous they are going to use this case against us, right? But you have to remember, they're already using everything they can against us, right? We're already living in a post-row world and they already want personhood. So I'm not sure how this case is going to get them any closer to personhood on our behalf, right? At our behest, our talking about this case, I don't think is going to make them want personhood more, right? If we're going to have to live with personhood, if we're going to have to live in a world where aunties are trying to turn eggs into people, then I think we might as well achieve some reproductive justice goals along the way and to try and keep pregnant people out of prison, right? That's a good reproductive justice goal. Yeah, that's a right? spicy take. That's a I sp- think it's a good take. Yeah. So let's remind folks what personhood is, because we do have some new folks to the pod, and a lot has happened since Dobbs on like so this much. accelerated timeline that I think has even somewhat caught Amani and I off guard. So personhood is the idea that life begins at conception, and not just like hypothetically, but legally, and this Mm -hmm. is really important, right? The idea that a fertilized egg is the equivalent of a human being and is therefore entitled to all of the constitutional protections humans like you and I enjoy, particularly the due process and equal protection concerns of the 5th and 14th Amendment. Like, I love how conservatives love due process and equal uh, protection as soon as a fetus is involved. It's like their favorite fucking thing. Absolutely. And, you know, personhood would create federal constitutional protection for fertilized eggs between conception and birth. And this is going to be yet another way that red states try to control the abortion politics in blue states, right? We've been talking about that for a couple of weeks now with respect to the medication abortion ban that's Mm -hmm. going on in Texas, right? This this rogue Trump judge, Matt Kaczmarek, is expected this week to essentially ban mifepristone in an attempt to control the abortion politics in blue states. Never mind this send it back to the state stuff. They want to send it back to red states so red mm-hmm. states can make the rules and then impose them on everybody else. Yeah. But, I mean, Amani, isn't this bad, though? We, we put the question out there. Isn't this really the slippery slope to personhood, which is really bad? I mean, doesn't making the argument that the fetus is an unborn child who is being illegally detained functionally concede that a fetus is a person? Yeah, it does. And actually, it the the brief, if you read the brief, that's what explicitly what Florida man <laughs> Norris, this attorney. Face. I know, it's bad. I mean, that this is the pro, the quote unquote pro-life position, right? Yeah. Un, quote unquote, unborn children are people and therefore mm-hmm. enjoy constitutional rights. One of those constitutional rights is not to be imprisoned without trial, right? You have the right to confront your accuser. You have the right to a speedy trial. I mm-hmm. mean, these are things that the due process clause says you have to do. If you're a fetus, how are you going to get that? But, you know, we are, as I said earlier, we're already in the bad place. We are already living yeah. in a post-row world. We are, we are living basically according to the rules that anti-choicers set. Yeah. And so this is not a case where we still have Roe. We still have the legal right to abortion. We're still trying to expand access and thereby, you know, throwing our support behind an argument like this would actually hurt us. It's not going to hurt us any more than we're already hurt. And at the same time, it could actually do some good 
for pregnant people who are in prison right now who are going to maybe end up giving birth on a jail room floor shackled to something. So in my view, I think that reducing harm to these pregnant people, even if it's just for nine months, I think that's a good thing. So what you're saying is that fetal personhood in this case may be a pathway to harm reduction, and harm reduction is good advocacy. And we understand that the anti-choice movement will create and find fetal personhood and have has already done so that basically out of whatever they want. So, you know, there is an opportunity, is what I'm hearing, for right. folks to weaponize this sloppy argument by the anti-choice folks to create some real good for actual pregnant people who are suffering actual harms in prison. Do I get I that love right? that. Weaponize their sloppy argument. I love that. I, I love this. I think it assumes, though, that we don't get caught up in abortion exceptionalism, which is, is one of my concerns here. So on what the one hand, mean, yeah. so yeah, so on the one hand, if a, if a fetus is a person, then every pregnant person in jail should be released from jail, and at least until that pregnancy is done, right? Until there's a born-ass person, right? <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, if a fetus isn't a person, then efforts to pass a personhood amendment in Florida, for example, or continue down this like lane of, you know, the, the a fetus is a person under the U.S. Constitution should fail. And advocates should be able to use those sorts of lawsuits to demonstrate why a personhood regime would be unworkable. And we've talked about that on this podcast before, like good luck driving while pregnant under personhood, for example. Right. And that's a really critical point, right? Like, if we can show that Florida doesn't really think that eggs are people, doesn't really think that fetuses deserve constitutional protections because they are unwilling to release these fetuses from prison, right. that's important when it comes to the argument for personhood, or at least it would be if we had a legitimate court. But right. if you think about the argument in Roe, right, one mm -hmm. of the things that Texas argued in Roe is that fetuses are people. And the Supreme Court rejected the personhood argument in Roe saying, uh-uh, no, they're not. And yeah. one of the reasons they rejected Texas's argument is because Texas hadn't been behaving as if fetuses are people. They right. hadn't been behaving as if Texas, the state government, was living under a personhood regime. And so one of the things that case did by saying, ah, Texas, you haven't been actually living as if, you know, personhood is in your state. You haven't been arresting pregnant people. You haven't been arresting doctors. What did that do? It prompted all of the shit that we've been dealing with over the last 49 years where states try to shore up their personhood bona fides by mm -hmm. doing things like criminalizing doctors and criminalizing pregnant people and saying, you know, not Texas didn't say this, but there are states that are that have allowed, for example, estates to be made in the name of a fetus so that someone can be sued for wrongful death. Uh, in Alaska, I believe you can um, count a uh, quote unquote unborn child as a dependent on your taxes, or at least there was a bill that was introduced to make that happen. I am not sure if it passed. And that's something that I should look up. But my point is, is that Roe paved the way for these arguments to be made. Yeah. So if Florida does what it is likely to do, and that is carve out some sort of exception for pregnant prisoners, then Florida is essentially committing, or is, excuse me, Florida is essentially committed to mm -hmm. violating the constitutional rights of its citizens. And advocates should make that clear and point that out at every turn.
So this is also a really excellent opportunity for calling bluffs is what I'm hearing. Yes. Yeah, to clear up this lie from the anti-choice movement that it's about babies and Mm. life rather than just controlling the bodies of pregnant people, controlling people. If you think they cared about babies and life and the constitutional rights of, I don't know, blastocysts, because, you know, Amani, blastocysts are people too. Mm-hmm. They'd figure out a way to stop infringing on their rights. There's actually a pro-family argument they could be making here. And would it surprise you if there were precedent for releasing pregnant people from jail? What? Yeah, there's precedent. Not in this country, mind oh, you. Okay. Not in like, this excuse country. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. I am very familiar with the law and I do not believe that I've ever seen such a thing. <laughs> no, not in this country, but We are dealing with a group of people. Do you remember these people were all complaining about how America's abortion policy is worse than China's? It's worse than China's. We're up there with like some of the, you know, they they pick these countries that they think are the worst countries in the in the oh world. God. Literally, <laughs> Jess is just falling off of her seat. And then they decide that if America is worse than these worst countries, then we really need to change. Well, since we're now looking to other countries for their abortion policies, mm. let's talk about Brazil's policy oh, yeah. when it comes to pregnant people, right? In 2018, the Brazilian Supreme Court granted a collective habeas corpus to all pregnant women and mothers of young children held in pretrial detention in the Brazilian prison system. Let me say that again. They granted a blanket habeas corpus, right? If you're pregnant, you're in jail. You had to be pulled out of jail. But it gets even better. This included all women who were subject to pretrial detention who were either pregnant breastfeeding, or had children up to 12 years of age and who have not committed a violent crime and or crimes against their children. Now, this idea that you should release pregnant people up until their child turns 12 years old is pretty big because if you recall, we've been talking about the criminalization of pregnancy for Mm -hmm. low these many podcast episodes. And one of the things they like to do is take pregnant people who may may have substance abuse problems and then throw them into jail. Remember Amanda Kimbrough, we talked about her quite a bit. She ended up in prison. She ended up with a 10-year prison sentence. She had something like an eight-year-old kid already that she was trying to take care of so you know they're splitting up families but we don't talk enough about the existing children that are left behind when they criminalize pregnant people and throw them in jail absolutely absolutely and it's not like brazil is this like radically progressive place it's actually really appropriate for us to look to brazil in this moment right now Um, for this argument because they actually saw it through. Mm -hmm. If Brazil is going to recognize life at conception, which functionally it's been doing, then it needs to see it all the way through. And so that's basically what Amani and I are saying here. And I just got to say, there's everything about this episode is melting my brain. Yeah. Explain. What do you mean? Listeners, (laughs) I'm, I'm all over the place because here, Fetal personhood could create this paradox situation for us, right? Where we now have the ability to potentially use it in some ways to get folks out of jail. While at the same time, I know that personhood in and of itself will be used to sweep more people into the criminal justice system. So... We can use personhood to get 
the people who were swept up by personhood potentially out of the carceral system? That is, that's a bit of a mindfuck. That's a bit of a mindfuck. It, it hurts. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this, but I think we should think about that because really, truly, like this is the upside down and this is what regimes like personhood force us to figure out. Can we do that? Is up down, Amani? Yeah. Right? Yeah. But we should still, I, I think we should still look to Brazil. Like, let me, let me say what, let me just say what the rule again is, right? If okay. you're pregnant, if you're breastfeeding, if you have children up to the age of 12 and you have not committed a violent crime or a crime against your child, then you should be released from prison. Okay, point of order. Yes. Natalia killed someone. Yeah, like, she did. that's a violent crime. Yeah. And look, I mean, in my, in my being, I am an abolitionist, but I mean, doesn't, doesn't she belong in jail? She killed someone. Yeah. Setting aside the abolitionist arguments, because you and I, I think you and I both became abolitionists right around the same time. We did a podcast episode back in 2020, you know, during the height of the George Floyd uprising. Two, zero, two, zero, folks. (laughs) Two, zero, two to the zero, to the two, to the zero. Yeah. 2020. Talking about police abolition, talking about prison abolition, talking about the people who are working towards prison abolition, talking about how we just need to give them a bunch of money and try and figure out what it is they can work out because the current system is not working. The current policing system is not working. But let's set that aside. Mm -hmm. Even if you want to argue that Natalia Harrell, because she killed someone, belongs in prison, her baby doesn't. Her baby didn't kill anybody. The fetus residing within her (laughs) did not shoot anybody in an Uber. So what gives? Is it an accessory? (laughs) Is it accomplice after the fact? Because is it a co-conspirator and go to the police? (laughs) And I mean, Amani, it's not like jail is a safe place for either pregos or their developing pregnancies, right? And we don't even have a lot of great data on this in this country because that's just how highly we think of incarcerated pregnant people in this country. We do have a study published in 2017 by the National Institute of Health that tried to get a sample from five of the largest prisons in the country, and it found, would it surprise you that miscarriage rates are slightly higher than average if you are pregnant and in prison? Okay, but it's also more complicated than that because, of course, not all prisoners are held for the duration of their pregnancies. And we know, like you've suggested and and said so far on the show, that those who do deliver in jails and prison do so under terrible conditions. Often they're shackled while delivering, which is not at all about the health and safety of the pregnant person or the baby that is about to be delivered. It is all about covering um, the asses of jail officials for whatever. Um, Okay. Since I'm just wrecking my brain in this episode, I've got a couple questions for you. Oh, Lord, Would here qualified we go. immunity for jail and prison officials that the harm that pregnancy and delivery, you know, that folks who deliver in jail, would, would they lose the ability to make qualified immunity arguments there? And, you know, if, if there's this personhood carve out, because, I mean, there should be liability, right? And what about the racial disparities that already exist when it comes to incarceration rates? Like, can, can we find some good here? Like, how can we use this, Amani? How? I wish I had the answer to that question, right? Because 
we know this is just nonsense, right? We know yeah. Florida's not going to say, you know what? You're right, Florida man. We really shouldn't be incarcerating fetuses. So let, I mean, we're not we're not going to go the Brazil route because this right. country we're not loves mass incarceration, right? This country yeah. runs on mass incarceration. If you were to look at how many products and goods are made by people who are imprisoned and not getting paid, you would be alarmed. So we're not going to go that route. And also, do they really care that much that there are black and brown people that are giving birth on jail room floors being That's shackled? The they don't care about that, right? And thing. it's like, and it's not even just that they're trying to cover their asses when it comes to the way they treat their, their prisoners. It's also about they want to control people. They mm -hmm. get off on like shackling up. What's a pregnant person going to do? Try to escape when she's got a baby hanging out of her vagina? Like, come on, guys. Like, right. why like, are we shackling prisoners? Like, literally make a quick dash before I deliver the placenta. <laughs> like, well, I cut the cord. I got to go. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't it's, make any it's sense. It's absurd. It's but since absurd. we are here, yeah. we should talk about what the court is likely to do, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. what would, if the Supreme Court were to, were to hear this argument, if it were to reach to that level, what would the Supreme Court do? And look, I love this idea. And I was mm -hmm. on Twitter being like, yeah, let's fucking go. I love this. And people were like, I don't know. I don't like it because it's personhood. It's a slippery slope. And I get that. I'm not shading yeah. or mocking those people at all because those, those are good concerns. And I'm super glad that that's the first thing that you thought of, right? Because that's Truly. important, right? It's very, very important. And I can see the flaws in my own argument, right? Right. Is it, is it cheering a lawsuit like this just an example of exposing like uselessly exposing hypocrisy, mm -hmm. right? We know the GOP doesn't give a fuck. We also right. know the Supreme Court doesn't give a fuck. Right. So is this just more feel-good antics like, yeah, you want personhood? Well, we're going to give you personhood. But then maybe not thinking that that sort of aggressive stance is really harmful in the long run, right? Is there even a point to this lawsuit, to these sorts of lawsuits, when we know that the Supreme Court is illegitimate and is just going to do whatever the hell it wants? So I actually think that there is a big structural argument to be made here in the benefit of these kinds of lawsuits, similar to the harm reduction argument that you were making earlier on the show. And that is that what is going on here is not just exposing hypocrisy for clicks, right? We're just, we're not saying like, yeah, those anti-choicers don't care about anything, so they're going to continue to incarcerate fetuses. Like, it's not just about exposing the the hypocrisy. It's about exposing the unworkability of personhood, as we've been talking about, and using that unworkability to make the case to the public that the Supreme Court and the federal courts, as they have been cooked by conservatives, are illegitimate and need reform. This is absolutely a path to make a structural reform argument about our justice system. Three years ago, remember, remember, I remember the beginning yeah. of the Biden administration, even in progressive spaces, there was pushback against the idea of court reform. It was going to be too much. Yeah. It might hurt feelings. Yeah. You know, I mean, and then Democrats felt a little brave and, and decided that they would form a study group. <laughs> a study. It was a commission, but I like calling it a study group. <laughs> I, I mean, it was. It was it was the Biden Supreme Court Commission with some brilliant minds on that commission. And they came back with a report that was like, I don't know. Seems hard. The court's okay. 
let's just try to get along, folks. And like, here, I'm here to tell you that that ship has sailed. This is not, we're not going to do a paper. There's no book report that's going to get us to a federal judiciary that functions the way this country needs us to. Yeah, and I I just want to make another point. Like, I really want to make this point clear. I am not cheerleading this lawsuit because I want to expose more hypocrisy because I'm on record saying this this notion that we're exposing hypocrisy, it doesn't do anything but make us feel good, right? Take the Herschel Walker nonsense, right? When all of these women came forward and they were like, Herschel Walker paid for my abortion. 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 (laughs) Look under your seat. Herschel Walker (laughs) paid for your abortion too. (laughs) Right? And so the discourse on Twitter was immediately like, oh, these hypocritical Republicans, they're still going to stand by their man even though he's gotten so many abortions. They're supposedly quote unquote pro-life. Like, we know they didn't give a shit about how many abortions Herschel Walker paid for. They had their guy. They wanted to run a black guy against Warnock. And they picked, Mm -hmm. like, the worst person that they could possibly pick and decided to run with it. So, yeah, yeah, I don't think it's useful to point out that Herschel Herschel Walker's stands were being hypocritical in their support for him because it doesn't get us anywhere. But it does get us somewhere to expose the unworkability of personhood, right? It does get us somewhere to talk about cases like... Ryan Majors, that guy who who, who got a judge in Alabama to open up an estate for his fetus because he was mad that his ex-girlfriend, in concert with her parents and her doctor, got an abortion. He wanted to sue the clinic, and in order to sue the clinic for wrongful death, he had to open up an estate in baby Doe's name, and a judge let him do that, right? Like, these are the things, it's important to talk about these things because it shows how ridiculous and unworkable personhood is, and the only way to make it work for them is to cherry-pick the rights that they want to afford to these newly created people that they've decided are people now, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And also, all of the stuff that you talked about, about court reform now, now, about court reform being sort of like, ah, we don't know, and Democrats forming their little study group and deciding it was too partisan to reform Mm -hmm. the courts. That was all before Dobbs. That was the year of our Lord 2020. We are now in the year of our Lord 2023. We no longer have abortion rights. Women and pregnant people, we are second-class citizens, right? If you are capable of becoming pregnant, you are not a full person. So now we're talking about, you know, Florida man and these other anti-choices who want to have eggs they want eggs to have more rights than you, yep. more rights than you. Yeah. And so anyway, we can expose that. We can expose that hypocrisy. It's not just for clicks. It's to show that these people are corrupt. The courts are corrupt and we need to reform them. And there's a stomach for that now. And that's why I think it's important to have these conversations. Absolutely. Dobbs changed everything. And exactly, like this creates a pathway for really solidifying a court reform argument while also potentially being a really good way to combat the incarceration of pregnant folks for doing drugs. Because we know that this is one of the main pipelines of getting pregnant folks into the carceral system, right? States are imprisoning women based on the claim that their drug use is the equivalent of child abuse. And they were doing that before Florida man's argument, right? It's still the illegal detention of an innocent quote-unquote person. And if the state wants to argue that it's in the best interest of that quote-unquote unborn child, 
then it should get guardianship over every pregnancy and really hammer that home until it's forcing or really hammer home the message that what it's doing is forcing every positive pregnancy test to deliver a healthy baby to the state, right? They need to take Wisconsin's cocaine mom law, Mm. that law that allows judges to establish a guardianship over the developing pregnancy if the if the pregnant person is deemed a threat they need to take that national like Mm -hmm. if this is real it's so dystopian but if it's real then do that put your money where the mouth where your mouth is and honestly what it will what it will show similar to Imani's point that you know cherry picking these constitutional arguments will show just how corrupt the conservative movement is and the federal judiciary that accepts those arguments is cherry like showing the true intentions of the anti-choice movement has the potential for real galvanizing effects i couldn't agree more but i have a question for you nope too bad (laughs) no show's over see you in the tubes (laughs) but so As I mentioned earlier, the Supreme Court already said that fetuses aren't people, right? Rejected personhood in Roe versus Wade. Does that holding, such as it is, still hold any water, right? Because, you know, you would, one might argue that that quote unquote holding wasn't really a holding, but it was just dicta, right? It was just, just sort of just musings, musings by the justices that don't really hold any precedential value, but that lawyers will look to when they're making their argument before, why are you smiling? Is it not dicta? That dicta is flaccid? Oh, Jesus <laughs> We've got a flaccid dicta, guys. The dicta is flaccid. So I'm really sorry. So I have been a 12-year-old since law school. <laughs> Anytime I hear dicta, I can't, like, I go there. One can't expect you to, right? We're all immature when it comes to the word dicta. So you, so it doesn't hold any water anymore. The fact that the Supreme Court already said that there's no fetal person doesn't mean that they have to, I mean, they obviously don't have to hold on to that because it's not precedent, but does that even inform their future decisions at all? I mean, no. So Roe's gone. And yeah. even the like, even the good parts, Imani and I have been very hard on Roe versus Wade in the, dura- in the duration of our, of our careers. But even the good parts of that decision now are gone. And I think you brought up a really interesting point at the beginning when you were talking about uh, Roe and this early conversation that we had about personhood. And, and we did a whole podcast episode on We'll Hear Arguments about this and the idea that you cannot create fetal personhood with without absolutely deprioritizing the rights of the actual born person here. Like, I I don't know. Dobbs is the standard now. But the point that you made is that the anti-choice movement can now go back to that flaccid dicta in <laughs> Jesus you love saying that way too much. go back to that flaccid dicta <laughs> um and what they what they can see is a pathway for actually getting a court to enshrine and accept fetal personhood and what is that pathway if the state behaves as though every fertilized egg is an actual born-ass person, mm-hmm. then they have a compelling argument before the courts that fetal personhood is a legitimate belief, is a legitimate interest of the state. They're actually acting like it as opposed to not, 
which we have been, which, which we've seen. So honestly, that's one of the things that jumps out to me as a concern is the way that the anti-choice movement and all of its deviousness is like, whoa, I see an opening here. And what's interesting to me is in that episode of We'll Hear Arguments, and we should put it in the show notes, yeah. when we talked about balancing the rights of the pregnant person against the rights of the developing pregnancy, I see a world where the Supreme Court issues an opinion when it comes to, you know, releasing innocent fetuses from prison, that they'll do a balancing test of the rights of the innocent fetus versus the rights of public safety. Right. Like I can see them sort of I can see them ignoring a balancing test in favor of the fetus when it comes to born ass people. But when it comes to mass incarceration in this country's love for mass incarceration, they're going to find a way to keep those pregnant people in jail. And they'll say, well, we can't we can't feasibly release them because obviously you can't release the fetus without releasing the person. So and that's the point, really. Right. Right. Like that's the (laughs) point. But they're going to say, well, we got to balance because, you know, people love their goddamn balancing tests and that's what it's going to be. So. Yeah, and I just also, the idea that there is an opening for conservatives to make a really racist uh, public safety argument, given the way that they already view black and brown moms, Mm -hmm. is, you know, like, I just, it all feels like fuckery. It does. And it is. It's absolute fuckery. And this is what happens. This is what happens when you have a Supreme Court Stop refuse or refusing to recognize a right that has it has previously for almost 50 goddamn years recognized. It throws an entire system in chaos and chaos is a ladder, right? Mm-hmm. Chaos creates opportunity and the anti-choice movement knows this and it's seizing on it in every chance that it can. Can we get a drink? Yeah, let's go get drinks. I need booze. Yeah, we need something. If you would like to go get morning drinks with us, have some breakfast wine, <laughs> perhaps, you can find me on Twitter at Angry Black Lady. You can find Jess on Twitter at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. You should follow Rewire News Group on Twitter, on Instagram, and you should subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Rewire News Group. That's where you're going to get notifications that our pods yep. are available. If you don't want to watch us, just get your podcast I was going to say orally, but orally, not orally, orally, where you normally, in your ear holes, in your ear holes, not any other place where you normally get your podcasts, not appropriate, Google Play, (laughs) Apple Podcasts, wherever, Spotify, yada, 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 my goodness, it's my fault, I made the dick joke, you made the dick to jokes, but I just, and I just want to say, specifically because there was one person on Twitter where I was like, I hope I can change your mind with this episode. So if you happen to be listening to this and you were one of the people that were like, yay, Monty, I don't know, maybe you might be a little bit off. Let's talk about it. Like, I want to yeah. talk about it. And Let's I'll be nice. I'll be nice. Going. We'll be cool. It'll be, we'll be chill. We'll just like hang out and like drink some wine and talk about personhood and why it's not necessarily a bad thing to support what is intended to be a bad case. And on that note, Jess, what are we going to do? We're going to go drink and see you on the tubes, folks. (laughs) Drink and see you on the tubes, folks. (laughs) 